The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim. Zim, say what's up. Hello, world. We got something very, very special, I think, tonight. Uh, if you guys are a Bengals fan, guys or girl are a Bengals fan, and you currently listen to podcasts like I do every day of my life, then you know that there is another podcast that does a lot of good stuff on a daily basis. Nice. It's Locked on Bengals. We got Jake from Locked on Bengals. Live with us tonight. Jake, talk to the people. Tell them how you're doing tonight. You know what? I appreciate you not making a State Farm joke. Jake from Locked On Bengals. That's right. What's good, people? I'm happy to be here. I always enjoy these guys. Uh, but, you know, you're really kind. You're saying nice things about my podcast. I don't, I don't know what that's about. It's pretty <laughs> sweet. Like, who doesn't? I mean, I used to write for Locked On. So, you know, I oh, yeah. talked to James. So, you know, like, I, I know about Locked On Bengals. I didn't, so know, per- I didn't know we ever had writers. Yeah, I had to, I wrote a little bit. I used to get stuff off my chest and oh, oh, you mean the website James used to do? I feel yeah. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah. So at that point, yeah, I felt like it was connected to that. So James was, used to was. call in all the time. You had like your own segment over there, Zim. You would like call in when I James felt like would take, like fan mail and stuff like that. When I, you know what's so crazy? That was on ESPN, and what's so crazy is James filled in on Wednesday. Yeah, yesterday, and I called in yesterday, so I'm going to put the audio up for that because it's kind of funny because three, four years ago, I would go on hold for like an hour, two hours, and I wouldn't even talk. But nowadays, you know, James, he like pushed me forward on the list, so they let me talk. I talked about how getting Tooney was a mistake, and I was ready for everyone to stab me afterwards, but... That's, 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 the way, what I that's the way the narrative is going. Bengals Twitter. I mean, <laughs> there's still people out there that are like, give me Tooney or give me or give me death. You know what I'm saying? But there's a lot of people that are looking at this guard class. And I mean, we don't have to get too far into it right now. But, but before we get into that, because I think that's a great, a great segue to get into the Tooney talk. I do want to find I want to find out what side of the railroad tracks are you on? Are you on the Tooney gang or whatever? Right. But before we get that. Tell everybody how you got involved with Locked On Bengals, how long you've been a Bengals fan, and just give us the juice, man. All right, man. Well, so I grew up in Cincinnati, Princeton High School guy, because that's a question everybody asks when when you grow up in Cincinnati, what high school you go to. Um, But 
I don't really remember the Bengals before Marvin Lewis. When they hired Marvin Lewis, I would have been 12, 13 years old. I don't really remember. But when they hired Marvin Lewis, it was like, this is a big deal. Like, they, they got a real, actual football coach. And, and then they draft Carson Palmer, and it's like, okay. They got, I mean, to 12-year-old to me, a guy that can go be the best quarterback of all time. And in 2005... I was, you know, a junior in high school at that point, I guess. So maybe this timeline isn't working out, but whatever. I I, uh, I was watching Carson Palmer play, and I'm writing at the time, like, Carson Palmer is a top five quarterback in the NFL. And, and I think you could probably back that up. He was really good. He could have been really good. And so that hooked me because, you know, I'm still young. I'm like, the, the Bengals, this team in my city, they, they don't suck anymore. And so I'm in it. And then lockdown came about just because Joe Goodberry and I go back and uh, Joe, Joe Goodberry couldn't do a podcast by himself. No shade, Joe, but uh, you would admit it, I think yourself. And so I, I went on with him and did the, did it with him. Nah, that's dope. I remember like you, you touched on Carson in 2005 being a top five quarterback. I think if people were aware of him at that time, I think it was pretty much Peyton Manning, uh, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, maybe at that point, like he still hadn't really on. He wasn't there yet. It could have been Carson Palmer. Like I really feel like Oh five around that time. I remember feeling like he could be like top three, top five. So I don't think that's, that's too far fetched at all. That That's what it was for me. It was Peyton Brady and Carson. Right. And, and then you're, you're like pretty quick after that, Drew Brees came along, but PFF went up in 2006. You can go back to two or yeah, 2006. You can go back and look. Carson's number five, 2006. I, I just pulled it up. Peyton, Breeze, Romo, Brady, Palmer. Yeah, Palmer was that guy. Palmer was that guy. So you talked a little bit about the guard play, and we all know, like, as Bengals analysts and stuff like that, we're on Twitter, and we've heard all of this this kind of love affair that you kind of alluded to with Joe Tooney. And, you know, me and Zim, we've always subscribed to – never get too honed in on one person because that way if the Bengals don't sign him or it doesn't happen, you're not like kicking yourself and frustrated. But in terms of the Tooney situation, like what, what is your view on just Joe Tooney and Cincinnati and, and just that whole deal in terms of free agency? I mean, I think it's really inflated because he he's from the area and so people have it in their heads, like, let's get the hometown guy back. You know, he's, he's, but it, it shouldn't matter. Like Andrew Norwell is from the area too. I, I don't care. Jackson Carmen is from Cincinnati. I, I don't care really. Like that, that shouldn't, that shouldn't actually matter. But I think fans have it in their head that he's going to take less money. Maybe, maybe that's where it started. He's going to take less money to come to Cincinnati. There's, there's people out there that say, you know, he wants to come to Cincinnati if, if the money's right. And I believe that because money talks. Right. But where I'm at on Joe Tooney is I don't think there's one way that's right. I think there's a path forward with Joe Tooney that they signed Joe Tooney and that ends up being right. And there's a path forward where they sign Kevin Zeitler and Daryl Williams, and that ends up being right. I mean, there, there, there's not just one way. Joe Tooney's a really good player, and I said on the podcast that it's about to go up for Lockdown Bengals tonight, I would rather have, you know, Joe Tooney than Corey Lindsley. You're talking about spending on an interior offensive lineman, but that's just because I think that, that guard play is, is more valuable than center play. So, um, 
they need to get better at guard. There's a lot of ways to do it. The, the, the question for me, and I've talked about this a lot is are the Bengals going to put up the cash? Because you got to put up the cash to make it work with the cap. And the Bengals generally don't put up the cash. They don't, they don't like those big signing bonuses. You know, you talk about Trent Williams, Zim, you've been in my, you've been in my uh, mentions talking about Trent Williams. He wants 65 million guaranteed dollars. Bengals are never touching that number. <laughs> never, never. Maybe, maybe in like 20 years. But, but spread across how long though? It, it doesn't matter. Cause, cause for the Bengals, it's a cash issue. It's not a cap issue, right? It's, he wants like a, a $40 million signing bonus with $25 million in guaranteed salary. Maybe maybe a bigger signing bonus. You think he wants a $40 million signing bonus? It's Trent Williams. Yeah. <laughs> it's Trent Williams. I mean, I, I don't think it's like, let's look. Let's go to over the cap rate and let's look at some tackle contracts. Because I think he's going to be the highest paid tackle in the NFL. He's the – all right, so this is the, this is the number one reason why I bring up Trent Williams. The number one reason why I bring up Trent Williams is because Bengals fans – I think collectively somehow believe that Joe Tooney is like some dominant force and is the best offensive lineman like available. So when I'm bringing up Trent Williams, I'm bringing up the fact that Trent Williams currently is the number one tackle rated in the NFL, right? Before we talk about dollars and cents or anything like that, if you want to make a splash splash, you go get the very best tackle in the NFL. And then it goes back to your first, your first thing where you're saying, it, there's no right or wrong way. You could give me Tooney and we could go to the chip. We can go, we can figure out a way to do it that way, right? right? But I guess just from my philosophy standpoint, I'm putting way more equity, I'm putting way more stock into the tackle position, period. So every single time that Trent Williams comes up or Daryl Williams comes up or Rick Wagner, somebody comes up, I'm hopping at that because I just see, I'm trying to correct the wrong, the wrong that they made with Whitworth. You know, I've been trying to correct that for years. So that's just a philosophy thing. And I tell people that a lot of times because they're like, why are you so down on Tooney? It's not that I'm down on Tooney. It's just that I know the Bengals, once they go out and make that splash with a guy like Tooney, it's going to be very little that they're going to do from the offensive line. And I fear that knowing the history of this team, if he were to suffer any type of injury or anything like that, I'd rather not do it that way. I'd rather go and solidify the tackle position and then go get me a whole boatload of guards, like above average, higher tier. As this thing is unfolding, there's so many guys like a Gabe Jackson that I think maybe not as good as Tooney, but if we're talking solid, yeah. he's solid. You know what I mean? And he's for way less money. So and, and that's what you need. And, and it's just a philosophy thing. Well, and that's all you need at guard is you need to get to solid because right. none of these guys at guard, there's a lot of guards in this class that are, that are likely to be available like Gabe Jackson, who hasn't been released yet, actually, but but is likely to be released, right? There's a lot of guys that look like they're really good pass blockers. But if you want to get a lot of money at guard, you got to be good at both because guards just don't get paid. So if you want to get paid a lot at guard, you got to be Quentin, Quentin Nelson, right? You got to be able to win as a run blocker, too. And, and they they just don't. They just don't do that. The guys that are available right now are average of best run blockers, including Joe Tooney. And well, Kevin Zeitler might be a little bit better than average. He's probably above average as a run blocker, right guard, traditional strength kind of power guy. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that I'm, I'm there with you on the interior offensive line. I think that you can get good players 
for less than Joe Tooney money because Joe Tooney is a top of market kind of player. And, and you can make your team a lot better because the difference between poor and average on an offensive line, much, much more important than the difference between average and elite. Hey, I see no, you, Orange Arrow. Hey, Orange Arrow is the guy that sent me this shirt. This was my Dude. prize for winning the That's uh, hard. the Bengals Stripes Cares League. It's a good shirt, man. Right. Yeah, we, we actually interviewed uh, Macho Means. Yeah, yeah, Macho Means. I bought that. And, and yeah, I'm about to say, and I think before we even interviewed you, you told me you love some of those designs. And to me, that's the best design that they got currently right now. It's so, not. so you're definitely a winner with that one. That's the it's best design. Yeah. Did, did you have any thoughts on that, Ace? Because I know a lot of people, including yourself, you were saying, well, one of the worst things right now, speak to the people that say, well, one of the worst things that quarterbacks don't want is pressure up the middle. Yeah, I think that, that that's uh, definitely valid and, and true. And I think just listening to Jake, when they had on our offensive coordinator, Callahan, he talked about that. You know, he talked about being able to scheme from edge pressure. But, you know, what people don't want to see is straight up the middle. Obviously, that kind of happened with Joe Burrow last season. And I think what you guys are saying is valid. The last thing that you want to do, and the last thing that I even think that the Bengals are going to do is overpay for a guard, right? If Joe Tooney is asking for 13, 14 million a season, I just don't see that happening. Uh, if he does want to take a home downtown discount, maybe, but now you have Kevin Zeitler back in the fold as well, right? You got Larry Warford who was out last season. We don't know whether he's coming back. If he does come back, there's no way in my opinion that he can command a bunch of money after sitting the season out, especially after having some weight issues in new Orleans. And so I think as long as you just get some solid guys there, you don't have to overextend yourself, but I also agree with Jake. I would love Trent Williams here, right? I don't think anybody on this panel would say no to Trent Williams, yeah. but the fact that he is definitively like a top three tackle in the NFL, like if he asks for whatever, somebody's going to give it to him, whether it's someone in Cincinnati, whether it's someone somewhere else. And I tend to agree with Jake, like in terms of that guaranteed money that they'd have to give up for him immediately, I don't see them them doing that. But we would all love to have Trent Williams. That would just be a dream come true for sure. Me being in the Washington area, right, a lot of people, the most, like, I don't think a lot of Bengals fans, or I don't want to generalize people, but most people talk to me about Trent Williams and they automatically look at his age, right? And the same way that Bengals fans view Whitworth around here, Trent Williams is that times two, you know what I'm saying? Because not only, like, is he like a freak athlete? He had a year off, and he's the number one tackle for. So a lot of a guy got on me today early on Twitter and was like, "Dude, why do you want this guy that's so old?" I'm like, "Listen, he's very, very different than whatever you're speaking." So I guess some of the things that I'm saying are just based on my preconception of what I think will make us a dominant force and what will make this thing pop off so fast and have Joe Burrow comfortable as possible. Because the number one thing that I think about that Joe is going to need mentally early on, and we were talking about this the other day, Jake, is one, relief in the passing game and less passing. Whether it is it is an extension of the, of, of the pass game and short passes, screens, and little dump-offs and all types of little stuff like that, little wheel routes for running backs, whatever you could think of. That's fine, but at the end of the day, he needs a Whitworth-like figure at left tackle. And Panay, although he's comp for Trent Williams, right, although I believe in him a lot, I don't want to go into the draft thinking 
I got to get this guy. I got to get this guy. I would love to have that solidified and have Panay like be like, I want to have hard problems, like tough problems. When I go to the draft, I already got Rick Wagner on the team and we're trying to figure out how we're going to plug and play Panay on the team. Like in my dream scenario, that's how I would want it to go. To go into the draft and I'm still looking for like this dominant force or whatever is not what I'm looking for. And I think that's why I lean so heavy towards Trent Williams, but he would absolutely take up every single bit of their cash. And I don't know what the cap hit would be, but currently right now, where are we at? Like 54 million before Jen. 15 million for Trey Waynes. I don't even know what it would be for 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 Trent at all. Well, they could get creative as far as the cap hit. That's great. But, yeah, but, 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 but what Jake is saying is like the escrow account that says, no, put this damn cash right here to the side. The Bengals aren't going to pull that type of trigger. Yeah, that's historically been their problem, right? But the one thing in their favor, I guess, is the the recent CBA that that just went into effect did mitigate the amount of cash teams have to put into escrow. That it, it it gave them a bigger allowance for signing bonus that you don't have to put away right away. The thing is, most signing bonuses are paid in the first year of the deal. So if if Trent Williams is out there, maybe it's only thirty million dollars. Go back, go back last year and look at how much guaranteed money the Bengals gave away. Go look at how much signing bonus the Bengals gave away. That's pretty much all of it. So, I mean, <laughs> you do $30 million in a signing bonus for one guy, that you're probably done if you're Mike Brown, just historically speaking. You're probably not like, yeah, I got another $50 million sitting around that we'll give up. And, and that's why the question for me has been cash all offseason. It's been, is Mike Brown and family – ready to pony up the cash right now to, to be flexible with the cap. And, and I did the whole article at Cincy Jungle about this, talking about if you do a bigger signing bonus, you can do a low salary in year one, push the cap hit off, but you have to spend more cash to do that. And I, I mean, nothing in the Bengals history says they're ready to do that, even if they do go play in free agency like they did last year, which I don't think they will. I think it'll be, I think they'll spend, but I, I, last year they spent about 110 million in cash in the offseason, maybe 115 because Joe Burrow took a giant signing bonus on his rookie deal. I, I think it'll probably be closer to 80 million this year, 70 million this year. And we'll see if the the other thing you're going to see, how does the COVID budget impact all these teams across right. the league? There's less revenue. Yeah, there's a cap, and yeah, these teams are loaded and they're all billionaires. But that's not how they operate their teams, right? Like they're not spending $300 million in cash in one offseason. Nobody does. And so they all have their own rules for how they want to deal with cash and liquidity. And the Bengals tend to be very conservative. So, I mean, I do think they'll spend. I just don't think they're spending on Trent Williams. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that. So you kind of talked about, and Zim, you kind of hit it on the dream scenario. I think we're kind of in the dream end game because we're starting to see a lot of guys get cut from other teams that were in bad cap situations, more notably New Orleans. Kevin Zeitler gets cut. Jake, from your perspective, like with what's going on right now, if you were the GM, if you were GM Jake, who are you targeting for the Bengals next week around this time? Daryl Williams. Oh, am I supposed to keep talking? You said yeah. Mitchell Schwartz, and <laughs> I think I think Mitchell Schwartz is retiring. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. If he's healthy, sure. But I mean, he's coming off a of back. My uh, my co-host on Locked On NFL. I do Locked On NFL one day a week now. By the way, if you want to hear me talk about some other teams, but uh, he's, he's a Locked On Chiefs guy, 
And uh, he said that he heard from from his Chiefs guys that that it's it's likely that Mitchell Schwartz is is retiring. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. He's still young, and he's still good. So if he's healthy, he's thirty, he's right? I mean, he's 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 on the other side. I think he's turning thirty-one pretty quick, and he just right. he just had a back surgery. And if you asked right. me last year at this time when James Rapine was on Trent Williams, he's like, "Yeah, go get Trent Williams." I was like, "I'm scared. I'm not doing it. I don't trust it." <laughs> like last year, this time I didn't trust it. Just like I don't trust Mitchell Schwartz right now. I think that's a a huge risk. And you know, I even have people in my mentions on Twitter saying Daryl Williams is a big risk because you look at his injury history. But he's still, you know, he's 29, uh, he's 28 and a half right now. And he's played two full seasons and two partial seasons. And he missed most of two seasons or pretty much all the two seasons. But Daryl Williams, I uh, I did a stream with Joe Goodberry a couple weeks ago on Twitch. And we watched Daryl Williams against TJ Watt. And Daryl Williams just fucked with TJ. Sorry, can I cuss? Daryl Williams just, just messed with TJ Watt the whole time. Like TJ Watt was just guessing. He was lost. <laughs> and how often you see TJ Watt lost? What you're gonna get with Daryl Williams is some false starts. You know how Bobby Hart gets that that early step? You know what I'm talking about, Bobby Hart? Yep. Like he he tries to get a little jump because he knows he, he might get beat to that corner. Daryl Williams might get beat to that corner too. The difference with Daryl Williams is he's bigger and he has like 35 inch arms, and he's gonna reach your ass if you try to go around the corner on him. He's gonna lock you up. So there's an injury question with Daryl Williams, but I think he's he's everything that Bobby Hart isn't. He's an anchor. If he gets his hands on you, he he can he can get he can stop you. And he's not gonna let go of that block. If Bobby Hart gets to the second level and he gets to a linebacker, I don't I mean, how many times do you see him fall off that block? Right? right. You go you go turn on Daryl Williams, he gets to that second level, that guy's done. I mean, nice. everybody's gonna get beat from time to time, but I think Daryl Williams is like the premier guy in in the price bucket and there's an injury risk for sure but i mean i'm in there i'm in on zeitler uh i'm in on gabe jackson if he becomes available i'm in on matt filer although i mean what scares me about matt filer is i watched matt filer against jonathan allen and jonathan allen got filed with that same exact bull rush that injured joe burrow same exact move it's 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 like spooky it's the same move he hugs him with his right arm Jonathan Allen has this bull rush where he wraps his, well, I guess this is his left arm. He wraps his left arm, his inside arm around you. So you can't anchor on that foot near the quarterback. And he's pulling you in with that left arm, just crunching your back. Right? So try imagine like a strong ass, 300 pound man, bear hugging you with one arm beating your ass with his other arm. And, and you're trying to anchor against that when he's stronger than you. That's what happened right. to Mike Jordan on that move. When he fell, the only difference with Filer is he didn't fall. He stayed on his feet. So at least you got that going for you with Filer. So so he's going to give it up to strength from time to time, but he's a better player than Mike Jordan. So, I mean, that's an improvement, right? You take it. Every, every time I bring up Filer, it's just in the sense of I'm trying to create depth and kind of emulate the Bills formula, right? Yeah. So me going into the season and um, as quick as, like, someone like a Quentin Spain became, like, a Bengals, like, favorite, I guess, for his – you know, like for his, his him coming in in a tough role at the yeah. situation that he did, I think Fowler could be like that same type of mold, battle it out. Him, Xavier, Sulafilo, uh, uh, you could throw a Denigy in there to battle out in camp. You come back second round or whatever, right? And then those are the guards that you're talking about. Like if, if this is how you avoid a Jake Fisher situation, it's like 
you already have these guys right here that aren't going to let a Jake Fisher like talent unseat them. So if Cosme isn't who I think he is, if I don't know, Leatherwood, uh, uh, Wyatt Davis, if these guys aren't who we think they are, we've got all these guys in place. So we're never in a, in a situation where we're coming into a game and we're looking like, what, what was the guy that we were talking about the other day, Ace? Uh, they, they, uh, uh, Jerry, John Jerry. So I'm never putting myself in a John Jerry-like situation. I got all of these guys in place. And so the, that formula that you're saying, you just named the three guys that I think they could go get. Daryl Williams, Williams, though, Gabe Jackson, and Fyler. If they came into the if they came into the draft with that, you wouldn't be even if even if you really really still had Sewell so so high on your board, you wouldn't be forced to any type of pick. You wouldn't feel any type of way. You would just go take the very best guy that was in your face, and then you come back that second round to double down and say, "Look, this is never happening again." And I'm only saying second round hypothetically, unlike you know, like if. I like uh, Boogie Basham. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of guys that'll be there, right? But at that point and with that mold and the way that they're doing it, that is a way better formula given this team's injury history to me to assemble a team. And it's the money's there, the talent is there, and the people I'm not getting guys that, like, I think when I tell people, oh, well, I'm, I'm not trying to get Tony or I'm not, uh, I don't have to get Sue up, they're thinking, that I'm just saying, well, let's just get below average guys and just see how they go. Like all of those guys in a normal year, we'd probably be only talking about one, two at the most. This is a very unique offseason. And with the cap going up the following year, I just think that if they're going to do it, they're, them and only four or five other teams are even in this position to be talking about like, hey, let's go shopping. Everybody else, like you said, with what we're looking at with COVID this upcoming season or whatever, unless you got Jerry Jones like pockets, you really aren't looking at too much in, in this free agency. And it creates this this big hole for all the mid-range veteran players that is going to be really tough for them to get on the squads and they're going to be scrambling for squads. And I just think the Bengals can take advantage of that a lot faster than throwing money at the highest person um, on the open market. Right. So we have 100 people watching the stream right now. Please be sure to like, comment and subscribe. We truly appreciate that. Also, be sure to follow follow Jake on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL on Twitter. We talked about the offensive side. Jake, Jake has too many followers and he already has too many damn listeners on lockdown. So you don't have to do any of that shit. Just keep on following us. And then if Jake comes back on, then we'll come and tell you to follow him too. <laughs> but we we talked about the offensive guys, side of the ball, right? And a lot of fans started panicking because Carl Lawson uh, basically had said or posted something right when, when the tag deadline passed and it was like guns for hire, right? I wasn't really freaking out about it because I had talked to him and he said that he loved Cincinnati. So I was like, well, I'm – Sure, there's still a great chance of us keeping him, but flipping to the defensive side of the ball, right? Because that's we can't talk as if he's a lock to come back because he's not a lock to come back. If someone throws him the bag, he might just take the bag. So, on the defensive side of the ball, like from a free agency aspect, especially with us only having 17 sacks last year, who would you kind of be targeting from that kind of position or from that area? Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit thinner there. Actually, you know what? That's not even true. There's plenty of good pass rushers out there. I've, I've talked about Romeo Okwara quite a bit. He had a hell of a finish to the season for Detroit. By some measures, 
as productive as Carl Lawson. I think Carl Lawson is a better player. I think Carl Lawson is more consistent. But if you buy Romeo Aquara's end of the season, you don't think that's just a flash in the pan. You think he's actually developed some skills? I really like Romeo Okwara. That's the guy Shield Capadia at the Athletic had going to the Bengals. Shield had two guys in his top 50 free agents going to the Bengals, Romeo Okwara and Daryl Williams. And I, I mean, sign me up, right? If you get those two guys to start free agency and a bunch of guys for like 5 million bucks after that, I'm probably pretty happy. As long as you're not paying $5 million to somebody who shouldn't be in the NFL. Like, I think they paid Trey Wayne's probably too much money, but we'll not go too yeah. far down that road. On the defensive side of the ball, Hassan Reddick. Tyus Bowser, Dietrich Wise. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are. I mean, the who are the Bengals playing last year? You know what I'm saying? They're playing like street free agents, and right. Sam Hubbard doesn't like me very much. Uh, I really like Sam Hubbard as a player. <laughs> he doesn't like you. No, I, I called him an average pass rusher, and uh, I've said that to a certain extent. On well, I, I always say he's not an elite pass rusher. He, he doesn't like that, but um, I get that if you're a player. You don't want to see that shit if you search your name or whatever, so I, I don't begrudge him it. But anyway, Sam Hubbard is not an elite pass rusher, and he's a very good player. But if you have Sam Hubbard and DJ Reader and Khaled Kareem, and I don't know, say Josh Tupo's back. I love Josh Tupo, one of my favorite players on the team. Um, you're, you're getting 10 sacks in a year. And, and you, you, I mean, so, so I think they need two guys. Where's my fingers? Two guys. Uh, to, to be, <laughs> well, I'm over here and the camera's over here. You know what I mean? If you guys <laughs> are listening to this, Jake just doesn't know how to count the threes. He said, where are my fingers? Hold on, hold on. All right. I didn't mean, I was just waiting. What, what are your thoughts on, I keep on, I've been pushing Alden Smith a lot and I brought up Hendrickson just because I think the money might look nice. Um, I think the sacks are a little bit like of a, a false, you know, whatever. Uh, I looked at the numbers in the PFF, and he had a bunch of sacks without uh, uh, double teams and all that other stuff that they, they give me numbers on. But how do you feel about those two? I, I like uh, – I really like Brandon Thorne. If you guys are looking for an expert on trench play, offensive line, defensive line, go follow Brandon Thorne on Twitter. I, I trust his opinions – on offensive and defensive linemen and his ability to chart quality play at those positions more than probably anybody that's doing this stuff on Twitter that doesn't work for a team. And he says that Trey Hendrickson last year, he has a sack quality metric that he does. He goes and watches every sack that guys get in a year. And Trey Hendrickson, like how many sacks do you have? 14? I think I thought 13 and a half 13 whatever it was like 10 of them were clean up or covered sacks I did a highlight the other day and I was like all these sacks are like yeah they're like game sacks and, and you go you go watch Sam Hubbard in his first couple of years it's it's a lot of the same I mean it, that's what you get when you get guys that are high motor and that's that's what's great about Sam Hubbard Sam Hubbard's motor does not quit he has effort for days He's not going to lose a ton in setting the edge when he's healthy. He, I think he was hurt early in the year. He got better late in the year setting the edge against the run. But he's, he's not that dynamic speed rusher. He's not bull rushing guys. Like when he gets a sack, it's usually because his effort is persistent and there's been chaos created elsewhere or, you know, the quarterback's forced off his spot by Carl Lawson or Geno Atkins or you've got good coverage in the back end. I think Trey Hendrickson could be a very similar player on a 
pretty damn good defense in New Orleans with Cam Jordan on that defensive line with him. Right. And and he's he's reaping the benefits. So I think if it's Trey Hendrickson, that's a guy where he's going to need help. He can be a good complimentary piece. I think he's going to get paid more than a complimentary piece should get paid. Sounds like Antoine Odom. Sounds like a little bit of Antoine Odom action there. Antoine Odom (laughs) started out hot at least, you know? Yeah. Um, And then the other one, Alden Smith. I don't really have a strong opinion on Alden Smith. I haven't gone and watched him play very much in Dallas. There's an interesting story there. Uh, If nothing else, it's an interesting story. I I think that he probably is better than the pass rushers on the team. I think he's probably cheaper than some of these other guys. Like I like Hassan Reddick. I think that, you know, you put Hassan Reddick and you give him in a, you give him a, a pure edge rusher role. He can be really good at that. Um, I think you could get some of that out of Alden Smith, but I mean, the cliff is the cliff is coming for him, man. He he's walking in a, on a foggy day toward a cliff and we don't know where it is. Right. And yeah, because so he was in next class with me. AJ. So, yeah. yeah, he's on he's on that 30. He's part of that 30. So, in terms of the secondary, if you could just speak on some of your ideal targets for that and then kind of get into the draft. I guess we can kind of wrap it up with, with the draft in terms of your preferences there. But speaking of secondary, hold on, hold on. Before he gets in that part, talk about William Jackson. What would you do? Would you keep William Jackson before you get into who you want to look at or target in the secondary? Oh man, you got you got all my hot takes coming out right now. I would have fired Lou Anarumo. It's not really a hot take, but um, <laughs> I mean, last night I tweeted. I'm I'm sitting there thinking, read you know I'm reading reading Twitter. Uh, I'm talking to Joe a little bit in DMs because Joe and I are close and we talk about you know when stuff's on our mind. And I'm sitting here thinking like, man, are they really gonna let Lou Anarumo run this defense into the ground? And uh, it looks like the answer is yes. But here, here's where I'm at on Luana Rumo. And as soon as you did that, did you see my tweet? As soon as you – it probably was around the same time. And I just was like, lose the one that had Gino lining up over center. Lose the one, and I went, like, going crazy on her, like, out of nowhere. And I think yeah. we all were starting to feel, like, this pressure of, damn, Lawson and William Jackson about to walk away. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't want to see that. You have two of your best defensive players. Here, here's what my tweet said. On March 10th, I'm not ready to kill the Bengals for sticking with Anarumo, letting him do what he wants with the defense. I'm ready to see what he does, right? I mean, at this point, that's all we can do is see what he right. does. We can't kill the Bengals for it right now because that's not productive. All we're doing is complaining at that point. But my knives are sharp, man. They're ready. They're ready for December, January. Even if it's November, the knives are sharp and they're ready. And I hope that I can use those knives as steak knives. And I don't have to kill the Bengals, but I'm ready because you can see where this might be going and you just have to hope that Lou knows better than I do. And I think Lou knows better than I do. I'm sure Lou knows more about football than I do. But, I mean, NFL teams get it wrong all the time. So uh, I would absolutely keep William Jackson, but I I don't think he does what Lou Anarumo wants to do. Lou Anarumo, I don't know if it's because – he didn't trust his cornerbacks or because he didn't trust his pass rush, didn't like playing man. And mm-hmm. uh, William Jackson is at his best impressed man. Same thing, by the way, for uh, uh, what's his name? The guy, Butler. Butler also pressed man corner, very similar in style, I think, to William Jackson and strength to William Jackson. The other guy that got released today, Janoris Jenkins. Yeah. He played for, he played for Lou Anna in 2018. 
and uh, I, I think there's a skill fit, uh, a scheme fit there a little bit, but. Um, but I mean, he's, honestly, he's 33 now. Yeah. I mean, that'd yeah, be a no. one year kind of thing to, to, to get you by. I'm looking at a corner in the second round, probably. Uh, Joe's tweeting about Ronald Darby. You watch Ronald Darby against the Bengals this year. He was, Amazing. he had one of the best games, if not his best game of the season. He was For pretty sure. good. Um, but there, there's actually quite a bit out there in the, in the mid range corner market and, and in the mid range, mid range wide receiver market. So like, even if they don't go for those, you know, top of market guys, I, I like free agency this year. And, and, you know, the Bengals talking a lot about flexibility, spread it out. Let's get it done. Yeah. Like, did you get the sense when you had Callahan on the show? And if you guys don't know, we're, we're here with Jake from locked on Bengals. Um, he recently interviewed Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator for the Bengals. They had a three-part series that I did listen to every single one of them, and I really, really enjoyed it. Did you get the sense that in you talking to them, whether it be on air, off the air, that they you thought they'd be kind of aggressive? Because so far, I've heard the comments in here, and people were like, Jake is just scaring me. I, I saw somebody right there say, yeah, I don't think they're going to be – they're not going to be as active as they were last year or whatever. So did, what was the sense that you got after talking to Callahan? I mean, I, I don't think Callahan – necessarily has the control but don't that, you think they do but if he was pushing for guys or he was pushing for a certain type of thing you don't feel like he had an aggression to like what he was talking about like if mean, he thought he, they were going to go heavy offensive line in in the offseason or whatever yeah yeah i mean if you listen to callahan i think he knows the offensive line needs to be better you listen to taylor i, I haven't listened to it yet he went on the uh, bengals bengals beat with Lindsay and tyler today so i got to go listen to that and see what he said um but the impression I get from Duke, from Brian, from, from Zach, listening to the organization, talking to, to Callahan is they know the offensive line isn't good enough. And, mm-hmm. and it's probably, I think they, they know it's the guys they had. I don't think they're relying on Frank Pollock to fix everything. Uh, I mean, you, I, I asked Brian, I said, you guys had really high expectations for some of these guys last year. How does, how does that go wrong? Like last year going into the season, if you're paying attention, you we we knew you guys weren't going to make major changes on the offensive line. You guys were projecting a lot of confidence. And he, and he said, you know, what happened? I said, what happened? And he said, he talked about the familial, the familial relationship that you establish with the players on your team. You know, a little fatherly thing or whatever it is. They're your guys and you want them to succeed. You see what they're doing behind closed doors, working hard, doing what you ask them to do. And for whatever reason, they don't get it done, right? Um, so I think that was like a hard lesson that they had to learn. Maybe, maybe that's something that comes with being a young, young, inexperienced coach in the NFL. Like you have to learn like, Hey man, you got to stay objective. It's a hard business. Um, and, and Duke's, I mean, I think Duke said, you know, pretty clearly they're, they're in, they're looking to improve the offensive line. So I think we will see them spend on multiple players on the offensive line. And, and the other thing that has been a consistent theme is speed at wide receiver. If it's, uh, you know, I've talked about him a lot lately. Amir Smith-Marset, Iowa wide receiver, probably a day three guy. Uh, Looks like he has great speed, had several kickoff return touchdowns, deep threat for Iowa when they had a quarterback. They didn't have a quarterback in 2020, so he looked a lot worse in terms of his productivity. 6'1", 180 or so, a a little bit thinner than Marvin Jones was, but if you're looking for your Marvin Jones this year, uh, you know, that that's a guy that, that you might want to look at. But I think they're looking for speed at wide receiver, which 
does often make me wonder what happened with John Ross. But th those are the themes on offense. I think they will add two-plus offensive linemen, probably starters, and I think they're looking for a wide receiver with speed. And I think, I think they'll look in free agency. I'm not sure they're going to find what they want in free agency at the price they want. So it might be a later round guy, but, but personally for me, I, I do think that there's a lot to be said for going wide receiver or Kyle Pitts with their first pick. If it's five or if they trade back a little bit, because I think you can get to average on the offensive line without spending that pick on Sewell. And uh, I think Chase fixes a lot of what was wrong with this offense. Chase at five, baby. We got one. Yeah, I'm there for sure. I'm there. Best, right. best wide receiver in the class. Yeah. Woo! How do you feel about that? Best wide receiver in the class right there, Chase. I think is I don't think it's as definitive. I think it's still between him and Devonta Smith. Like I think if you're gonna side with it being because Chase has more weight and stuff, yeah. But I think me personally, I think Devonta is right there. I think Waddle's right there too. I think the three guys at the top are all good. I like I like Waddle a lot. I watched your I watched your film. I, I watched you watch Devonte Smith a little bit. I, I had to leave partway through it. Uh, I do think that his size will show up in the NFL. I think that when guys get their hands on him and there's better athletes in the NFL, he stops. And and you can get him off his spot. You can get him off his route. I think you'll see that a little bit more in the NFL. I do th still think he's really good. Like he's got a great release package. He's uh, a silky athlete and, and, he, and he has good route running skills. He's a good technician. Uh, and, and he has a lot of will to win at the catch point. But I think the the physicality is going to show up a little bit in the NFL. I still think he's going to be very good. But Jamar Chase had insane production at 19 years old, man. He did some crazy things. And I I mean, you don't know that he's gotten better. Right. But I imagine that he's gotten I better. wouldn't. So for, for me, I think, like, just because Chase has played with Burrow, that makes him the best for me, like just because they already had that chemistry and stuff like that. So I think for our situation, I definitely go with Chase, given those three guys, just because of that connection and all of that. But I don't think I just think like overall, when we look at this draft class three, four or five years from now, I think that is going to be like an A.J. Green kind of Julio Jones kind of thing where like both of them are going to be good. Like it's yeah. not going to like you kind of get to pick your poison because they're two different receivers. That's the way that I kind of see it versus it being kind of like an A.J. Green versus kind of like a Torrey Smith kind of thing or a guy that's like not even in that same like stratosphere. And I'm not sure these guys are quite A.J. Julio, but I think they're right really really good i mean aj Julio. yeah they, like they've got much smaller yeah th this class is kind of weird because it's kind of more of a smaller kind of receiver class just in, like in general you don't really have those like huge six three like you said aj and julio guys that are like six three freaks yeah. of nature run four fours it's kind of hovering at like the six one to like six foot kind of kind of guys but that may just be the future of like the receivers it may be a bunch of a b steve smith chad johnson kind of guys coming and there are a lot of guys in the second round too and that's the thing is like the reason that you wouldn't take chase five and the reason you would just take sewell is because you you're really high on sewell for one but there's guys in the second round like terrence marshall terrence like, marshall's probably there diami brown from unc i, I really like 
you, there's a chance there's a there's an outside chance you get Kadarius Tony in the second round yep. and if you think that you can polish up some of his rawness and Chase has some rawness too in his game he was able to win just by being better athletically he's gonna have to clean some of that up so I mean there are guys in the later rounds you look at the recent track record of of early wide receivers versus second round wide receivers it tells you that you can still get guys in the second round that doesn't I mean, you, you, you look individually at players, and I think Chase is a, an insanely good prospect. I think Waddle and, and Smith are good prospects, but you can still get guys. Where was Justin? Wasn't Justin Jefferson drafted like 33 or something like that? He was first round. First round. Mm-hmm. Late 20s, I want to say. Okay. Right. T. Higgins was, T. Higgins about, was 33. That's, I was about to say, good. Higgins was 33. All right. That's All the right. one. Like, I Brandon Ayuk and, and like Terry McLaurin. Like I'm thinking about those There's guys, a bunch right? Of guys, Allen Robinson, like Travis Landry. There, I mean, <laughs> Mapletron. Even though we hate the Steelers, like there's a lot of guys Oops. that you can still get. Claypool, Claypool. They call him Mapletron. Oh. Oh, I've dude. never, I, I never heard that nickname. <laughs> James, That's you what know what's so funny? Call. James get went to Cleveland and he came back with all these nicknames and. They were calling uh, Landry Juice and stuff like that, and they then I was, yeah. yeah, but I mean, he's just Landry. Um, he's there's only one Juice, and it's OJ, and he's wearing gloves and stuff like. That. <laughs> and then you got Tyler Boyd. So, like for me, it's always tough because it's like, yeah, but I could still get a guy like as good or close to as good in the second and sometimes even third round. You, you talk about that about talent too. Exactly. Exactly. So. It's it's just tough, man. It's it's kind of tough to determine which way to kind of go. Like, I've heard it's tough of everything to go, especially with free agency still left. See, I think when my plan is so predicated on getting a playmaker to just blow this thing wide open, because I know that the defense is just going to. I just I just count on the defense struggling. I need the defense to be in a position to always be <laughs> up like seven to ten points, like every single week. So I think that's part of my plan. And when I talked about second round, because, Jake, you, this is the first time I heard anyone even talk about a corner second round. Usually, like for me, I'm, I'm, I've been looking at, and I try not to do this, I've been looking at edge rushers, the kid from Miami I like a lot, um, and then uh, and then Basham I really, really like a lot too in the Carlos Dunlap mode. And then I all, I've been looking at so many guards and tackle prospects that can be converted to guards in the NFL level that I just got so glued to that. And for you to like now throw like corner and second round, it just you don't like Kyle Pitts? Do you like Kyle Pitts, Jake? Yeah. Do I like him at five? That gets a little scary because he's a tight end. You're, you're only saying that because of the, the history of the NFL says so and dictates it, right? Mm, no. I mean, a little bit, but no. The history of the NFL at tight end is at tight ends a lot of the times, no matter how talented they are. It's the hardest take a, position. Take a little bit of time to, to figure the, it out at the NFL. It's tight end and linebackers. That was the first thing. Like, we, me and A's did a show. I, I want to say this is, like, October or something like that. And I was like, man, Kyle Pitts is, like, really, really, you know, like, amazing. But I was like, hey, the hardest position is to transition from college to, you know, NFL. is linebacker and tight end, and it's just growing pains. And I told a story about how T.J. Hawkinson, one of my friends, is like a real big Lion fan. He was just like, man, I just knew they was going to take over. And I'm like, dude, it's going to take a little while. But I think Kyle Pitts, the way that they would use him, though, although I'm scared, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm kind of like- scared. They, they, they're going to – everything that they run, they try to run for Tyler Eifert, they're going to run that same exact package for Kyle Pitts, which is not enough for me. And – 
Not to take away from from what he did off the field, but I think you should use him like Aaron Hernandez. Like that's the way that you should use Kyle Pitts is use him as like a receiver. Like you can use him at tight end. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like that they use Eifert at like in his last days here. They used him as just strictly a wide receiver. And I think that, but but it was limited though. And I think the origin one I'm making limited is the same reason that they've had problems before. They have problems when they have like a superior talent or a superior uh, attribute like a John Ross or whatever, like that is really, really good at one thing. They fail to utilize them and get them on the field because they're trying to get uh, CJ Uzama back into the fold or they're trying to get Drew Sample locked in with, you know, whatever, and they'll lose sight of, like, the true talent that I think Kyle Pitts is. And then that's where I think he will fall flat on his face as far as being a Bengal. I think the fit for me for Kyle Pitts isn't the greatest, but it's kind of weird to say that because Kyle Pitts, to me, works anywhere and he's going to produce. But with this coaching staff, I just – if it was Brian Callahan leading the whole thing, I know that Brian Callahan will figure out a way to utilize just straight-up Kyle Pitts – Every single package, figure it out. But it's not right. that way, and I don't but think it would see, be like reason, that. And, and that's the only reason why I wouldn't want Kyle Pitts. The reason five. I like Kyle Pitts is when you look around this division, you have to look at who's going to be guarding him. Like, what linebacker in this division do you think could really guard Kyle Pitts? Like the AFC North, we we've been known like from a historic standpoint for having these great defenses and these great linebackers. But when you look at it from like last year, like a lot of the linebackers are pretty suspect like you look at the browns linebackers that's a weakness you talk about the ravens they have the kid that they just took from lsu he's all right but he's not you know definitively you can't really trust him against any tight end that's going to be a receiver then you look at the steelers you got devin bush but even he had some issues like covering so that's on kyle pitts i take kyle pitts kyle pitts all day day. all day like five we 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 picked on high they they got a like so jake i don't know if you know i run a Steelers versus Bengals page on instagram as well but they're really really high on high smith and we picked on high smith i like but we picked on high smith in that second game we killed like that's that that was one of the an edge rusher yeah he's an edge rusher on, on that game, they had him dropping back in a couple of different sets. I pick on any edge rusher that's dropping in. <laughs> right, right. You don't and do that shit. Because when Bush was – let's see, Bush was hurt, and then they did a lot of different things where they were trying to figure out, like, how they're going to compensate for him. Yeah, yeah, and, they were struggling. They were – yeah, as soon as he went down – But we, I don't look at Kyle Pitts in such a singular, like, can he beat this guy? Can he beat that guy? Like, I don't think it's that simple for, like, just – not just the division. It's just, it's just about utilization – and how fast will they be able to get him like in the system and make it work? I just don't have faith in the Bengals staff to make him like pop off. Like, say he goes something crazy. Like, if he went, I don't know, I don't know who the quarterback would be, but like Eagles or somebody like that. I don't know. Like, I just think that they would use him a lot more. No, they would. I'm not. I I totally agree with you guys on that. I mean, this is a team that was giving Tyler Boyd instead of John Ross in the round. So I I don't think it's too far fetched to say if we did get him, that they wouldn't be able to use him right. It's just, to me, it's just weird because when you look at Zach Taylor's first year and you look at that game where they utilized John Ross like perfectly, it's almost like you kind of scratch your head when it's like this season, they're just not using them the right way. And it's like, Zim, we looked this whole season and we were like, that's a play that you could have gave to John Ross, like an end around. Like, it's just kind of puzzling with some of the stuff that they do. So I do agree with you, like, if they did get Kyle Pitts, are they going to use them right? I think that's a valid question for sure. 
There's a dude in your comments right now comparing Kyle Pitts to Jermaine Gresham. And I would encourage <laughs> you to go watch Kyle Pitts and then watch Jermaine Gresham. And then and go watch Darren Waller. And, and, and yeah, see how see how crazy ass different athletes they are. Jermaine Gresham oh, yeah. was was a was a fine prospect to tight end. But Kyle Pitts has some very rare traits as a receiver in his ability to control his body, to get up and win that ball at the catch point, to separate to get in and out of his breaks, his release package. Like he's beating Patrick Sertain Jr. out of press coverage as a tight end. And and he's just beating him with his release package. He's just beat at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he's going to be insane. I I hope if we don't get him that he just doesn't end up in the division somehow. Like that would not be good. I can't. I can't see him falling that far. I can't see him falling. 12 is his floor, I feel. Yeah. 11 maybe, 10. Yeah. I mean, Pitts is a guy that I really like if they move back to, to eight with Carolina. That's where I'm looking at it. Like if they go back to eight, I'm looking, you're, you're probably picking between like Waddle, Pitts, Farley at that mm, point. Right. Maybe Slater, that's but tough. I don't, I don't think that, I don't think the Bengals love Slater. Um, I think that, and, and this is, this is a Callahan thing. Um, you know, you heard him talk about the size of, the AFC North. Right. I think that if they go, I, I just, I mean, this is the same issue with Riley Rife, actually. Riley Rife is like the same build as Jonah Williams as Rashawn Slater. And that's why I don't think they're necessarily in on Riley Rife either. I think they want somebody a little bit bigger. So um, it's an interesting draft because a lot of the guys they could take at five, I think you can do really well with those same positions in round two, which mm-hmm. is why I want them to, to not need anything when they get to the draft. So use those free agency resources, right? And then get to the draft, be flexible, be able to trade back and still get value. Cause if you trade back and add a second round pick at the top of the second round, and then you go say it is pits, right? Mm-hmm. Say it is pits at eight and you have two picks in, in the thirties, high forties, right? And then you, you come back and you get a guy like uh, Alex Leatherwood and Asante Samuel Jr. Right. I was like, then you're absolutely looking at corner. To me, if you pick up that extra pick, yeah, that's when I'm entertaining a corner. And the board is like super crazy. If you don't get to eight, nine, you wouldn't even. Somebody asked me about Slater because I don't know if you saw the video of him lifting today. Yeah. Did you see that? So the, a lot the of squat. Yeah. So so a lot of people hit me and say, well, now Slater's on the board. I'm like, no, you're not looking at Slater unless you get down to like. The yeah, there's, a Slater, there's Slater gang. I think even Walter Football came out today and he came out with like some of his rumors and they were saying that a lot of GMs and scouts think that Slater's overrated. Like they named Slater, they named Patrick Sertan, and they named Michael Parsons and there was someone else, but Slater was in there. And they, they said that they felt like Slater is a second round well, pick. It should be a guard. There's definitely scouts that are going to feel that way. There's old school scouts that are going to feel that way. Then there's guys that are going to look at him and see he can play tackle. Just yeah. off his arm. Just off his arms, they're going to say that. Well, but I mean, look at Tevin Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins, who people right. love his power, love his, you know, mean streak. He has 32 and a half inch arms. You want me to believe that an NFL team is going to announce a 32 and a half inch arm offensive? Like, most teams have a 33-inch cutoff. There's there's maybe a couple guys below that playing tackle in the NFL. The NFL does not believe in short-arm guys playing tackle. They right. don't. James Hudson has the same problem out of UC. There's a lot. Jackson Carmen, the, the Cincinnati kid from Clemson, s- same deal. So 
Yeah, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, right? Because is the NFL going to be cool with it? Is there going to be a shift? Are we going to have more short-arm guards? The thing about these combine workouts, by the way, most of them should be validating what you see on tape. Rashawn Slater running well and, and weighing what he weighed and, and lifting well, that all balances what, he's, what, what you see on tape. He has great bursts off the line of scrimmage, gets to the second level like a rocket, and he has great upper body strength. But where, where he loses is, is to power and it's just because and to length and it's just because of his of his dimensions it has nothing to do with anything he can control i mean maybe he can gain five ten pounds in an nfl program but probably not that night he's probably pretty close to max out <laughs> slater game just took a <laughs> the slater game just took a L. but no I, I mentioned him just because he he popped up today but uh, let me just close it out by saying this. First free agent signing, I'll bet you uh, Uber. Do you have Uber East there in Canada? No? You do, but I think I think the the province that I live in, I live in British Columbia, I think no. they're really strict on the ride share stuff. <laughs> I was going to say, I will bet you, how about this? I bet you a drink. We need to get, I want you to guess right now, Ace, I want you to guess too. Who is the first free agent signing Bengals have going across the screen Ace, you go first. Jake next. Carl Lawson. Jake Brandon Wilson. <laughs> Smart man. Smart man. That's actually really good. I was going to say Carl Lawson. <laughs> but, Brandon, love but Brandon Wilson is really about to happen. That's Brandon really Wilson's cool. definitely happening. Or, or or Alex Erickson. I would love it if it's Carl Lawson, though. That Does it have good. to? Okay, are the stipulations that it has to be when free agency starts? Because yeah, Brandon Wilson could I, I, I just think, <laughs> I think, all right, let, let me ask you this, though. We're just all in the whole agreement that William Jackson is just gone. Yeah. Yeah. Very I, think, I think it's, yeah. I think so. I mean, I don't have any sources or anything. So, guys, don't take this as me saying that. But no, I, I, I just can't see it, bro. I think the team, you know, that I think I think this is one of those things where, like Carlos Dunlap, the front office and the coaching staff are split. And I bet mm -hmm. you the front office is like, we want William Jackson back, and they wanted Carlos Dunlap back, and and then the coaching staff's like, we don't we don't like the fit, and and they learn from what happened with Carlos Dunlap, and it just that's just a guess at what might happen there. Okay. All right. Um, I hope he's back. You got to still give us a player, though, Zim. You got to still give us one. I'm going to go give me a uh, – Why don't we, why we do this? Give me Quentin Spain. Make it, there you go. Make it more interesting. How about a player that is not on the Bengals right now? First first right. non-Bengal okay. unrestricted free agent they sign. First non-Bengal? Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to go with – I think I'll take Janoris Jenkins. I'll take Janoris Jenkins. Give me, give me Blythe, just because of the, the the connection with Zach Taylor. I'll, I'll say Blythe. Oh, That's why I'm going no, with no, Janoris. That would be a late one, though. Hold on. They went. BW Webb. I, fuck. <laughs> I hate BW Webb. Um, oh, that's a tough, like, ah. Uh, it's hard because you don't even know who they're in on. I'm going right, to. I, I have no clue. I would guess. I think they are going to be interested in Zeitler. And I yeah. think. I think Zeitler would be interested in coming back. I actually think that. Yeah. I yeah. It is. I, I, about to say, I, I think I was listening to the Hobson or somebody, and they said that they left on good terms. So, 
When that what so, Hobson was on your show, right? And he said that they left on there was no bad blood or something like that. I don't think there was bad blood, but my understanding of Kevin Zeitler's departure from Cincinnati was he wanted to be back. I think yep. the Bengals knew they were not going to be able to touch what he was going to get on the open market. But but what I heard was they did not even make him an offer. That's what I heard, too. I heard they never made him an offer, like, at all. And I feel like the same thing is going to happen with William Jackson. They're, like, not even – I well, feel like they might to, not You listen even to Carl, they haven't even started negotiating. You listen right. to Carl, really? Paul today, they, Carl said they haven't started. Yeah. Which is mind-blowing, if that's true. Hmm. Like, I think that they were waiting for the salary cap to set, but you would have thought, like Jake said, that at least today. They're not in a position. They're not even in a position to do that. With that room right now, they're not in a position not to, to be waiting for the cap. Like, I mean, it, it, was, it was like a $5 million window, really. Realistically, it's like it wasn't right. going to be higher than 185 and they knew that. And then it came in at, what, 182? 182 and a half. And, like, the crazy thing is he's saying he doesn't want, like, crazy money either. He, like, said that on the show. He was like, you know, it's not like I'm – he was like, it's not like I need much to – Somebody's going to offer him a bag, though. Somebody's going to offer him a bag. I was about to say, I don't care if he thinks that he's – As soon as they drop the bag on him, (laughs) it's going to be a problem. Something crazy. As long as he doesn't end up in Cleveland, I'm honestly okay with that. I can see him popping up on the screen Jaguars. Sure. Oh, Jaguars would definitely come they got all the money. He, he, he this is you got to go get the bag. Injury history aside, his agent's probably in his ear, just saying, "Hey, look, this is your one opportunity to go get it." If he I'm did say that though. <laughs> he did say that he was like, "If somebody says here's fifty million and here's five million, and you're like, yeah. oh, it's I want to play in this game," he's like, "That's not gonna matter if someone drops." I, the bag. I, I like the. Uh, I don't like the code. Here's fifty million dollars. All right, I'm gonna go get my coat. <laughs> Right. Exactly. That's exactly how it's going. Jake, tell everybody where they can find you at if they've been under a rock and they don't know what's going on with the Bengals world. Tell them where you're at. All right. If I'm allowed to self-promote, Jake underscore NFL on Twitter, at Lockdown Bengals. Go find the podcast. We're up five days a week, which is sometimes exhausting, but right now is actually a lot of fun because we got free agency coming up. I know fans are listening. We're up like 30% this week. Y'all are excited for free agency. I know you're out there. So come check us out five days a week, uh, most of the year. In the summer, we might go down to three days a week because there's literally nothing happening in the NFL in June. Uh, But I appreciate anybody who comes and checks it out. And I appreciate all y'all for having me on and y'all watching for watching. Appreciate you. No, I was going to say you guys can help support the channel by getting all your Bengals gear, including the 2021 Bengals jerseys. Uh, Check the links. We also have Zim that's doing some cross promo with some pretty dope stuff. You can get signatures and all of that. Please be sure to follow him on Instagram at Zim underscore who day. Zim, did you want to say something about that before we get out? Check out my link in my Instagram on Zim underscore who day. And also I'll be posting on my Twitter too on Zim who day. I'm doing a a promotion with TSE Cincinnati. They've got a bunch of memorabilia, 100% authentic. They got Tyler Boyd jerseys going for $69 right now. They got Ken Anderson uh, memorabilia being sold, Joe Burrow jerseys, signed, all this stuff signed. 
Icky Woods pylon sign. So check out that link. It's got some real cool stuff. A lot of savings on it underneath market value right now. So if you're into collecting stuff before these new jerseys come out, please make sure you check that out. And always check out ZimHooday.com. Yeah, definitely. You can find me at New Stripe City on YouTube. This has been the Orange is the New Black podcast. Thanks, Jake, for coming on. And we're going to leave you guys with a hoot. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it.